Welcome to the Canine PT Academy podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Canine PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation Therapists. So I am back from vacation. It feels forever since I last recorded one of these episodes. Uh, and it was a terrific time. It was a great time. It was very good to uh, take a break, recharge, reflect, and just kind of like get ready for the second half of the year. Uh, uh, both because, you know, I, I, I like every so often, every quarter or definitely semi-annually, just have the time to reflect and uh, reprioritize goals, strategies, plans kind of stuff. Uh, but then also just because going with some changes with the business, going with uh, some ideas of new things to uh, potentially offer offer to you guys. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Some some cool things coming up over the next couple months for uh, our podcast listeners and, you know, the folks following the Canine PT Academy. But but mostly, you know, what it was really cool about it, and if you guys uh, follow us on social media, maybe you, you saw that through our, like, Instagram stories and whatnot. But the coolest thing about the trip, so, so actually, let me take a step back. So the trip was nine days uh, uh, to the UK, okay, to the United Kingdom, and... Um, and we spent actually the first five days uh, up north, way up north, where uh, usually, you know, I think a lot of tourists and stuff usually don't tend to go too often. But we went and we stayed for five days in Hartlepool, which is a, a, a town like the northeast coast. And uh, But from there, we did some sightseeing to other places nearby like Durham and Onwick and uh, Newcastle and so forth. And you might be asking, well, why? <laughs> what were you doing in Hartlepool? Which is a fair question because we got that question quite a bit. But I was there actually uh, visiting my business mentor. Uh, he is from there. And actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later today as I answer one of the questions. So I'm not going to dive too much into it right now, but we were uh, uh, visiting there as part of uh, an award that I won um, uh, um, on his programs uh, basically two years ago. I won that award in March of 2021 uh, as like a CEO entrepreneur of the year. And the award is based, you know, everything that we did in 2020 to really kind of like grow despite COVID and, and whatnot. And uh, we weren't, and part of the award was this trip, like pay trip to go spend time over there. And we weren't able to cash in right away in 2021 because, you know, traveling was like halted, if you guys remember back this time, two years ago. And then in 2022, we were able to do because Susie was just too little at that point in time and we weren't really risking, you know, traveling and whatnot. So it, it took us two years to, to do this, but that, that was actually the cool part because then Susie was, was able to be a part of it. And if, like I said, if you saw that on the Instagram stories, that was probably the best part of the whole trip. And we had a terrific time up north. And then we spent uh, three more days in London before we flew back to Chicago. And London was, was great as well. Did some, uh, a lot of fun things over there, a lot of sightseeing, uh, a tour of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It was, uh, 
It was really amazing. But just having Susie being part of this trip just really meant a lot to me and my wife because it was kind of like the end, the closing of this chapter, you know, especially because Susie, she's turning two in October. So she is like, it's just been amazing to see over the last one to two months how much she has grown, you know, not necessarily grown physically, a little bit physically, but just in terms of like, motor development, speech development, personality really coming out. She is fully a toddler now and it has been, you know, really, really fun. And and having her being a part of this trip as challenging of course as it was at times. Um it you know, it it, it truly was the, the main thing that, that really will always like stand out to me. You know, and and, and that was uh, something that I wanted to kinda like you know, share with you guys, because ultimately, that's what we're building our business for, right? To be able to enjoy uh, uh, the freedom that we can give it to us. In this case, it was, you know, me going to this trip to the UK for, for nine days. Um, and, and, and the business, you know, stay floated, you know, with our terrific team that, that, you know, kept things going, of course, while I was gone. You know, and, and, and that's also, you know, a big, of course, uh, part of it. But spending nine days with Susie in like the whole time, just, you know, uh, from from dusk to dawn and, and just seeing, you know, her personality really comes out. And, and you know, because you know, on a day to day, we spend a lot of time together, but she's a daycare, you know, which is wonderful because that was the other thing that was fascinating too. like things that I like we didn't even know she knew, like she had learned already a daycare like you know to point to her nose if we said nose to point to her belly if we said belly and we didn't even know that you know even though we spent you know every day with her in the morning in the evening and of course weekends we do a lot of fun stuff together so i i do think you know that's just my opinion i think daycare is just a really important part of it so they can kind of like you know develop with people who who work with them on those development skills kind of stuff but then at the same time it was just fun to just spend all that time with her you know although of course I'm excited now for her to be back to daycare so that way we can kind of like back, get back to work and a little bit more productive of course but that's what's been going on and then just very excited to be back and 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 just kind of like really get it going for the second half of the year and then like I, we have been telling you guys today's episode is going to be about answering the questions that you guys have submitted and we got a, a tremendous number of questions which is wonderful and because of that we're actually breaking it down this episodes in part one and part two because otherwise if we just did one full episode there was going to be too many questions the episode was going to get too long so we're going to do a handful of questions today a handful of questions next week okay and then kind of like go from there okay um all right so so let's see here let me pull up the document i have over here so uh, the first question was, how can I effectively market my canine rehab business to reach a larger audience and attract more clients? All right, cool. You know, as you guys know, uh, I, I love marketing. Um, there are many things that I really love about business ownership and stuff, but probably figured out marketing, figured out strategies was uh, what really got me started. And then, you know, later on as marketing as I learned marketing and I made it work, then of course I had to learn about other facets of the business like growing, hiring, finances, HR, you know, all that kind of stuff and whatnot. But marketing is is, is something I, I really enjoy. Always kind of like 
keep learning about, okay? And the best way I can kind of like break it down to you guys in very simple terms, in terms of like how to reach a larger audience and attract more clients is to always keep in mind the three M's of marketing, okay? The three M's of marketing, which is the market, the message, and the media, okay? The market, the message, and the media. So the market, of course, it's going to be uh, who is your audience? Who is your audience? Who is it that you're trying to attract? Who is it that you're trying to kind of like talk to and stuff? And you got to be uh, uh, very specific about that. Okay, you got to be able to figure it out. You know, who is that you're trying to talk to? We can't help everyone. And that's kind of like one of the, I talked about this before. That's, you know, a common thing that we tend to think. like, oh, I want to I wanna see every type of dog. I want to see every type of uh, um, uh, owner and stuff. I just have all this knowledge and, and I really want to be able to, to, to help as many dogs as I can. Which, you know, of course, that's not a bad thing. We're all in this business to try to help as many, many dogs, you know, as we can. But when it comes to marketing, we have to understand that we have to develop a very specific audience. We got to know who we're talking to and we got to understand what is the, what is it they're looking for? What are the unfilled desires that we can help them with? You know, also it is who can pay for how much we need to charge. And I'm not saying this because then, oh, let's let's forget, you know, the people who can't afford our services. No, because you charging more for the people who value you and understand you actually is going to allow you to do more pro bono work on the side. Like that's something that I always try to explain to people, right? Because sometimes we, we, we are also like uh, kind hearted. You know, the, 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 the people, of course, that get into the suit of canine rehab, we all have a lot of uh, uh, sympathy for our clients and we want to do what's best for them. And a lot of times, myself included, we ended up, you know, doing pro bono services and this and that. You know, but what I've seen over and over sometimes is us doing pro bono service coming at the detriment of the business of actually being self-sustainable. And you being able to charge what you should be charging for your regular audience, for your regular market, it is going to allow you to actually do more of that pro bono service to pets who are in need, to maybe uh, uh, pet owners who cannot afford you, maybe the local dog rescue around you or whatever it may be. So that's why we actually need to understand who is that can pay for what we, can, we need to charge. And most important, who has the more willingness to do so, right? Because it's not just about the money. It is about people valuing what you have to offer. Because you can have someone who has a lot of money, but if they don't value what you have to offer to them, then they're not going to want to spend that money with you. Well, at the same time, you can have someone who is in a more tighter budget, but they're going to work with you because they realize that they value what you have to offer and they're willing to make it work. They're willing to put on the budget and all that kind of stuff. All right, so that's the market. After you have figured out your market, then you need to develop a message that is going to match with that audience, that's going to match with that uh, uh, market. Okay, we, get, we need to understand what is their problems, what are their challenges, what are their pain points, and we need to be, we need to be able to talk to them, right? And that's why it's very hard, for example, 
when someone is like, oh, I, uh, uh, I really love working with neurologic dogs and I want to see more neurologic dogs, but I also want to work with the, the, the high level agility competition dogs. It's like, those are just very different audiences. Very, very different audiences. And it's just going to be very hard to have a single message that is going to attract, for example, both of those audiences. That's why it's important to know who you want to help and target that. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean necessarily, unless you really want to, that that's only the people who you're going to help. Right? So, for example, for, for those of you guys who, who, who follow our clinic, the KNIPT, have come across our social media websites and stuff, a lot of it you're going to see that it's targeted towards senior dogs. And, you know, there's a whole reason behind it. But it does not mean that 100% of the patients who we see are senior dogs. I guarantee to you, we see our plenty share of ACL tears, either after surgery or conservative management. We see a good amount of neurological uh, patients as well. And then, of course, we see a good amount of senior dogs, right? But the message that we're trying to get across is very much centered around senior dogs. Now, at the same time, we don't see any agility dogs. Why? Because our message doesn't connect with them. If you are an agility dog owner and you go to our websites, you're not going to connect with that message. And for me, that was okay because that was not the uh, uh, market that I wanted to attract with my message. Same thing with cats. People ask me, it's like, oh, do you guys ever see cats? No, we don't. Have seen chew cats as a favor through the years, but our message doesn't resonate with that. The name of our business, the Canine PT, doesn't, doesn't resonate with that. Right? So we have to keep all those things in mind. And then the third M, which is going to be the media. Okay. Once you figure out the market, once you figure out the message, then it is going to be about what media do they use? How are you going to put your message in front of your uh, market, in front of your audience? Okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're using the same media that you are using, that you feel comfortable with. They might, they might not. Right. So you have to figure it out what is, where is it? What are the events? that your target audience spend time with? What are the, the, the maybe the, the social media pages that they follow? What are the social media platforms that they tend to spend the most time? Like all those kind of things. So that way we're able to really put yourself in the right space to get the right message to the right people. Okay? And if you put those three things together, boom, that's when you're going to be able to build this larger audience that's going to attract more clients. Now, I'll say one caveat to this question that was posted, right? Because quite often what happens is people come to me thinking that, oh, I need more clients. I need more patients, which a lot of times that is indeed the fact. But also sometimes we need to ask ourselves, do we really need more clients or do we need to revise our business model to focus on less volume of patients and more on the customer experience. Because it cannot be always about more, 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 more. Okay, the right customer experience is gonna track the right market who understands your value and is willing to pay more for your services compared to how much they would pay to go somewhere else. Right, so sometimes 
don't think, look at your numbers, track your, your numbers and figure it out. It's like, do I really need more clients or do I actually need to increase the revenue that I get per client? Do I actually need to increase the number of sessions that I get per plan of care? Okay, and, and I'll, um, I'll share this just as a little kind of like sneak, okay? And you let me know what you guys think. I would love to hear your feedback, either replying uh, uh, to us uh, by email, hello at k9ptacademy.com, or reaching out to us or to me directly on social media. One idea that I had during this break was potentially offer uh, a marketing-focused short program. We're talking about like four-week or so type of program. Really, really focus on marketing specifically for canine rehab therapists and business owners. Okay? So if this is something that you're like, oh my God, this looks interesting. I, I really want to learn more about marketing, how to attract you know, this larger audience, this right audience, and, 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 and be able to either get my business off the ground or scale or grow whatever it may be. If this interests you, please let us know. Okay, please let us know. It's, it's helpful for me to know before we kind of like go the rabbit hole of developing a program to know if it's going to be helpful to you. So that was uh, uh, something that went through my head while I was gone, and I would love to get your feedback on it. Okay, so that was the first question. Second question was, what are some strategies to enhance customer satisfaction and loyalty in my canine rehab business? Wonderful. Love that question. Thanks so much for for sending it over. Now, that could actually be a a whole podcast episode by itself, okay, talking about customer satisfaction, loyalty, uh, customer cycle, customer journey, however we want to call it. But to keep it short... Okay, the main thing we do need to take into consideration is your customer journey. From the very beginning, when they first found you online or contact your clinic, reach your website, get on a phone call with you, whatever it may be, to the very end, once they're done with their plan of care and so forth. And then, of course, everything in between, which is a lot. You need to figure out what is their journey with you. So, for example, we talked about this in previous episodes before, but look at how you or your staff is handling that first phone conversation that you have with someone who is calling you, inquiring about your, uh, your clinic, about your services, okay? Because here's the thing. In most healthcare businesses, both if we're talking physical therapy clinics, veterinary clinics, chiropractic clinics, like all involved in most healthcare businesses, the idea of that inbound call, of that initial phone call, is to basically be an appointment scheduler, is to get people on the schedule, right? And they might schedule, okay? But if they do schedule, does that necessarily mean they are right away going to be a good customer that fully understands and buys into what you have to offer, right? Of course it doesn't. They could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they will. So the missing part here is understanding that that initial phone call is actually a sales call. Where you're going to spend or you should be spending the time building a relationship and understanding the customer and showing to them that you, you, you are the right place for them to go to and showing them how you can help them. 
Okay, and in return, because of that, how they feel about that call is also going to have an enormous impact on how they feel about working with you afterwards. So if you really look into it, having a really positive impact in attracting clients who not just book an eval, but also who are going to be more committed to work with you afterwards. Does that make sense? Right? Because if you're spending time on that initial phone call, really, either you or staff, whoever it is, really understanding them, really listening to them, really building a relationship, really setting yourself apart from other clinics around you, because other clinics around you are just looking at this phone call as basically an appointment scheduler kind of call, then they're already going to come to the evaluation much more bought into what you have to offer to them. Because they, the initial experience that they already got from you from the phone call was already significantly different than what they got by calling the other clinic in town. You following? So that already set the tone from the beginning to them that things are different in your business. Okay? The other thing to keep in mind is understanding on how that call can be perceived very differently by different people. Most importantly, what I mean by that is how it's perceived differently to uh, your front desk staff and uh, uh, a new potential client, a new person inquiring about your clinic. All right, what I mean by that is because your staff do, you know, multiple calls like that every day, every week. It's just part of the day to day. They're used to it. It doesn't necessarily... Uh, uh, is anything out of the ordinary for them. But the consumer is getting that exposure to you, to your staff, to your business for the very first time. And you often just have that very first shot to make a good impression. And that's your opportunity to set that tone for a different experience compared to what they'll get anywhere else. Right? That's why I keep saying that how important it is the phone call. Right? Put yourself in the shoes of a potential uh, customer. When you call a clinic, and before they even ask, some, sometimes I'm sure that has happened to most of us. You call a veterinary clinic before you can even say your name, before they even ask anything, all they say is like, so-and-so veterinary clinic, can I please put you on hold? Like, if that's, if that's your first time calling the clinic, how would that make you feel? Right? And that's just the, the beginning of the phone call. So not even mentioning... The fact that they're spending only a few minutes with you on the call because they have a lot of other stuff to do compared to how I preach, which is spending a good 20, 25 minutes plus on that call, actually understanding, talking to people, listening, building a relationship. And then afterwards, from that point on, then the question becomes, how are you actually nurturing and building those relationships? Right? So even from that initial phone call, are you collecting their contact information so you can call them back in a week, for example, and check back on them? Or maybe so you can enter their email into your automated email sequence that is going to automatically send them a series of emails over the next few weeks, educating them about how you can help them, sharing case studies, showing them the value on how you can actually help them. You following? 
And then even if they have booked an evaluation, either during that phone call or afterwards, what is their experience with your business from that point on? How are you prepping them ahead of the evaluation? Right? Especially if they, if they called you today and they booked an evaluation two, three weeks from now. That's a long time. Are they not hearing from you for two to three weeks? How are you nurturing their relationship during that time? That's also going to have a major effect into how do they feel about you once they actually arrive at your clinic. Right? And then also, what is their experience once they arrived at your clinic and throughout that whole evaluation itself. Okay, those are all things that you have to kind of like keep in mind. And much like when I talk about when we're trying to build a relationship with other businesses, with veterinary clinics and so forth, I talked about the concept of being uh, uh, interested rather than interesting, right? Showing that you care about them. It's the same thing during that evaluation when we are talking with the pet owners. Are you interested or are you more focused on being interesting? Meaning, are you making this about them and their dog? And are you taking the time to listen rather than just keep talking and talking and talking? And this may sound very basic, but really reflect back. It's like, are you giving people the space, the time to actually come out of the evaluation really feeling like, you know what, even if, even if this therapist barely even touched my dog because my dog is just so anxious today, I got so much information out of it and they show that they really care about it, they really want to help me and I'm bought in. Right. So those are all just some things to keep in mind and it is important for us to always take a, a, a deep and critical look on our customer journey. Because that is the main thing that it's going to be setting you apart. Okay? Remember, I'll always keep this in mind. We are not in the canine rehabilitation business. And, and, and insert whatever word you call it. If you call it veterinary physiotherapy, if you call it uh, animal chiropractic, it, whatever it is. Don't get so caught up in the minutia. But you're not in the canine rehab business. We are in the customer service business and we happen to provide canine rehabilitation as a service. And the minute you understand the difference between those things and you embrace that concept, it will be the minute that you're going to start figuring out how to make yourself stand out from any other rehab clinic around you. All right. Third question. How can I develop a referral network with local veterinarians and other pet professionals to generate more client referrals? Wonderful, right? Because I do, of course, preach a lot about leveraging Google. For you guys who have been following us for a while, you know that. But you also don't want to just rely on that. So I, st I still think it's important to build a referral network, to build relationships, to build partnerships around you. And that's very important. That's probably the first thing I want to say. You need to have a balance within your referral sources. And it's never good to over-rely primarily on just one referral source. You're always going to have one main one, but you don't want that to, to like, like, for example, if veterinary referrals 
is your main source of referrals. You don't want that to account for 60, 70, 80% of the new clients that you get. Why? Because you, you over relying too much on one thing. Even Google, same thing. If that's like 70% of your referral sources, you're over relying on something. What if something happens to your Google account tomorrow and it is shut down for a week? How would that have an impact on your business? So you want to find, you want to find that balance that it's just going to come over time. So it's not going to happen right away. But when it comes to developing those relationships with other pet businesses and veterinary clinics around you, you need to understand that it is going to take a time and it's, going, it's not going to happen overnight. right? And because of that, there's, there's not just one single thing that you do that is going to make a difference, but instead it's going to be a combination of a lot of little things that when put together, it's going to have this big impact. All right, so for veterinary clinics, for example, over the years what I have found that the best way to build new relationships was that if you want to even call the, 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 you know, like, just like we talk about the customer journey, but if we talk about the veterinary clinic's journey with us, the ultimate goal was to get a lunch and learn schedule. Okay. And actually, if you guys listen to the recent podcast interviews that we had, we discussed this quite a bit on uh, the episode with uh, Anthony Skina. Those lunch and learns can be very powerful as long as you understand the message they are trying to get across to your veterinary partners then those lunch learners can be very powerful. What I mean by that is we, sh- uh, 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 we should not be boring them by having a lunch and learn that is just quoting the latest research, that is diving deep into the physiology of how a certain modality of treatment work or anything like that. That would not make an impact. What, what we would make an impact is, much like we're marketing to the pet owners, it is you understanding the message that you're trying to portray to them, the message that you're trying to get across to them. And in this case, it should be about the overall framework as to how what you provide can benefit their patients. And what you provide can be anything. can be rehab, can be chiro, can be acupuncture. Like, but how, it's not about the thing that you provide but more about how it's going to benefit them. And then the other thing that can be very powerful is carrying them through a case study so they can see how that works in action. And another very important thing that people tend to forget, it's keeping in mind that our focus should not just be on trying to build new partnership with veterinary clinics, but we cannot forget to also nurture their relationships that we already have. Don't think that just because you met them once last year and they have sent you a handful of referrals or a couple of referrals every month since then, that you're all set. Like, you need to nurture those relationships too. You need to stay top on top of their mind. Right? And then just like as I said a little bit earlier too, no matter if you're trying to build a relationship with a new vet clinic or a pet store or a dog training, dog boarding facility, whatever it is, the main thing is for you to be interested rather than interesting. 
All right. Do not make things about you. Instead, make it about them, how you can help them. And sometimes that's all it takes is you asking that veterinary partner or that dog trainer, like, hey, is there anything I can do to help you and help your business? Like, you know, put yourself in their shoes, right? If you, if, 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 you know, if you have a dog trainer, for example, trying to uh, 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 get referrals from you, and you, you have two of them, you have dog trainer A, dog trainer B, dog trainer A, uh, uh, very outgoing, loves to talk, but makes everything about them and why their dog trainer technique is the best ever. Dog trainer B comes to you very nice, and instead of talking about them, they ask, hey, Francisco, is there anything I can do to help your business? Right? How would that make you feel if you're meeting dog trainer A, dog trainer B? As a business owner, how would that make you feel? Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, dog trainer B wins. Dog trainer B is the one who I actually want to have more conversations with. And that's what I mean by being interested rather than being interesting. All right. Hopefully that makes sense. All right. Let's take one more question. Um, let's see here. And then we'll go. actually let um, don't want to take a question that is too long, though. Okay, let's take this one more question and then we'll, we'll break for part two. What are the key factors to consider when expanding my canine rehab business, such as opening additional locations, offering new services, and so forth? All right, cool. Another loaded question that could be a whole podcast by itself. Of course, there will be many, many things that, uh, to keep in mind for those you know, scenarios kind of stuff, like marketing, operations, HR, finances, and so forth. But if you are expanding or opening a location, regardless if it's your first or second, third or whatever, I would say it is important to work with someone who has been through it. It can help you avoid the pitfalls that you are going to encounter during that process. Okay, And it can be a consultant that you're bringing for that project or a coach, mentor that will be working with you on a more ongoing basis. But please understand that you don't have to figure this out on your own anymore. There are folks out there, I mean, you know, myself included, but there are other folks out there who have gone through a lot of those pitfalls, a lot of those mistakes, a lot of those challenges. And we learn from those. And because of that, one of the best investments that sometimes you can make during that process is to be at the very least talk with them to see what are the things that they can potentially help you with that you, you can't even see right now because you haven't gone through this process. So there's a lot of blind spots. There's a lot of things that you potentially are not even aware of. Like I can tell you from a fact, when we expanded our clinic last year compared to when we first built it out in late 2019, I learned a lot during that first initial build out process. A lot of things that afterwards was like, mm, I would have done this differently. And of course, that may have had an impact when we were expanding the clinic because I had learned from some of those mistakes. Okay, and that's what's very important. Now, each case, of course, is just very different. Each, you know, like each business is different. Each person is different. Uh, uh, um, The locations, the cities, the towns they were at is differently. 
Um, but there is one thing that it should be a commonality all across, no matter if you're opening your first clinic or if you're adding a service, expanding, adding a second clinic or whatever. And the main thing that it's always have to be top of mind is to make sure that whatever business model you're trying to build works first on paper. It's got to work first on paper. If it works on paper, then there is a much better chance that it's going to work in real life. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to work in real life, but at least you have a shot of making it work in real life. But if it doesn't work on paper, if the numbers don't add up, then there's nothing you can do to make it work in real life. And if you figure that out first, then you will have saved yourself a lot of money, a lot of headache, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, because now you can revise your business model on paper first before uh, 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 trying to make it work in real life. And just to wrap it up, that is actually one of the main reasons I love doing what I do with the PT Academy. Why? Because back in 2017, when I decided to go out on my own and start the PT, this type of help, this person didn't exist in our field. There wasn't anyone out there back in that time who could help me, uh, uh, who could help guide me through this business process and help give me a blueprint of how to make this work. So what I had to do is to go and find folks uh, in the human PT field who were coaching private practice PT clinic owners and learn from them what I could try and implement into the field of canine rehab which it was challenging, but it was actually a fun process because it really challenged my thinking. I really had to look deeper for the answers. It led me to many trial and errors to figure out what will work for them. But then those trial and errors helped make myself a better mentor for the folks in the PT Academy afterwards. Right? And I... I, I I've been able to see folks going through the Business Accelerator program, for example, accomplish in six months what it took me literally 18 months to accomplish with my business. Why? Because I'm able to keep them focused on the strategies, on the things that I know it works and not have to go through as many trying and errors, as many mistakes that I had to go through to figure out what actually works. And that has been like one of the coolest things about it. And we have shared that, you know, through interviews and stuff before. Right? So don't think that you have to do this on your own. And I'm not saying like if you if you need help and you're gonna reach out to us, of course reach out to us. At the very least we can talk. You know, but even nowadays there are other people who are out there to help you as well. It was very different than it was six years ago. Even more different from some of you guys who have been around 10, 15 years. All right? So don't don't think you are uh, uh, on your own. Reach out for help. All right? So we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, um, stop over here with the questions. Thanks so much, guys, for submitting. We do have another handful of questions that we're going to go through next week. Okay? And if you have any questions still that you want me to answer, 
uh, uh, then please, you still have a couple more days to send it out before I record next week's episode. Sounds good? All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for K9 Rehabilitation Therapist. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. You can also email us at hello at k9ptacademy.com. That's hello at k9ptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions. And go to k9ptacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheet, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field. You can also find all of that information and more under the show notes. Finally, I would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company I may be associated with. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business, then what's the point in doing so? So please go ahead and start having some fun.